Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. Hebrews 13. Are y'all there? Y'all ready? Amen. Amen. I sound like I'm in a box. Am I in a box out there? How does we sound good out there? All right. Good. If you say so. All right. Hebrews 13. You know, we only got just, man, maybe a couple more weeks uh, left here on the on the book of Hebrews. Uh, I, I'm excited. I, God willing, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish the book. Uh, next Sunday, right? So uh, just want to mention, obviously, Thanksgiving. Can you believe Thanksgiving is this Thursday already? Uh, I'm so excited to, for everyone to be able to share some family time. I want to remind you, Wednesday night, we won't be having midweek service uh, this week, uh, the prayer lab, all the kids' ministries because of Thanksgiving. So just wanted you to give you a heads up on that. And uh, here we go. Hebrews 13, we'll, we will resume the following week. 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Literally talking about other Christians. Remember that the Hebrew, the, the book of Hebrews was written to a church in persecution. He's saying, remember those among you who've been arrested for their faith. Remember those among you that are suffering because he's basically saying you are in that same boat. That could be you next week, next month. You might be arrested for your faith, so treat them and remember them and pray for them the way you would want to be prayed for. Verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all. Some of your translations say the marriage bed is undefiled. Oh, yeah, we're going there today. Let marriage be held among, in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? I would suggest we need to read these last two verses out loud together. Are you ready? For the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That was good when about four of you did it, but I think we can do a little bit better than that. Here we go. For the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Do you mean what you just read? All right. All right. There's implications on that then. Get ready. Get ready. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd anoint our hearts and our ears as we receive your word today. God, I pray you'd transform our lives. Jesus, I pray. 
that you would do something powerful in us, God. I believe a powerful work was started in many hearts this morning. God, I pray today would be the seed. Lord Jesus, I pray for every demon of distraction to be shut down today. God, I pray restlessness would be shut down today. God, nail the nail our feet to the floor, as the word said a moment ago. God, we're going to let our feet be nailed to the floor for a good reason. We're going to be here and say, God, I pray you would fall on me, transform me, renew me, empower me. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you, church, you may be seated. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ did not come so we could do church together. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross so we could do church together. Jesus came and died on the cross so we could do kingdom together. And when we gather, church then becomes the staging ground where we are increased and where our faith is built so we are able to manifest kingdom wherever we go. That's what it's about, like last Sunday morning, this Sunday morning, where we are, we are expanding and stretching in our worship, and the Spirit of God is responding to hearts that are hungry for Him. And the Spirit of God is responding. And as we do this, my friends, listen, our faith will grow. Our, the, the kingdom uh, expression in our life will grow and expand, and that's what it's all about. I love what Brother Sean Smith said, one of my favorite evangelists. Sean Smith says, if you've lost money, you haven't really lost much at all. If you lose your health, you've lost something. But if you lose your spiritual hunger, you are lost. And that's the message that I think echoes in the American church today. We need to keep in mind, if our spiritual hunger is gone, there is something wrong with us. And I believe the Holy Spirit is sending a wake-up call for people today because the devil wants to put people to sleep. He wants the spirit of religion to get its tentacles around our brains and our hearts, and the Lord wants to break that off. And that's what revival is, when the Lord breaks that junk off and the spirit of religion off, and we become alive again in Jesus Christ. My dead heart now is beating. My deepest stains are clean. Into marvelous light, I'm running. In this final chapter in Hebrews 13, there's an emphasis on what I would say is a revival manifestation in the lives of believers. Living our transformed lives in such a manner that the world will know who we are. Not because of what we say, but because of how we live. And what a powerful way to wrap up this letter. The message has been, as you know, those of you who've been with me all year, the message has been don't quit, don't give up, press in, keep going for Jesus with all of your heart. And now here in the final chapter, he's like putting his foot on the accelerator. And he's saying now it's time to let the world see us be strong, be pure, be holy, be Jesus in this depraved culture. And we are being called to lead on the issues let's set the bar high at its biblically high standard and become examples of it are you hearing me this morning let's set the bar high where it belongs the biblically high standard and he, he just 
it, it, it's it, this book is not written by Paul, but it would almost seem Pauline right here. How in the last chapter, right? He just drops these bullets. Boom, boom, boom. And the first thing he says that I want you to lead on church. Church, you're under persecution. Some of you have been in prison. Some of your leaders are in prison. Some of your, lead, some of your pastors have been locked up, and there they are. And he said, I want you to emulate their life. The thing that got them in trouble, I want you to do that. Not a lot of sermons on that message, are there? This is the first thing he says in verses 1 through 3. He says, I ask that brotherly love must continue. Brotherly love must continue. Please note, my friend, brotherly love is a love you give your brother and sisters who are in the household of faith. I think we've gotten that confused over the years. We think, and believe me, it's, it's not wrong to say, hey, we got to love everybody. That is very true. But specifically here in Scripture, over and over in the New Testament, the acid test is how you treat each other. Jesus told his disciples, when they see your love for one another, he's not talking about your love for you and some stranger on the street. He's talking about love for the people you go to church with, love for the people who are part of the household of it. When they see your love for one another, then they will know that you are my disciples indeed. And here we see this repeated again. Brotherly love must continue we understand there's great importance in showing love to the family of God, but maybe something we haven't thought of is showing love in, the, in a fashion it, it really shows and it really manifests spiritual growth. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I say, you know, we talk about spiritual growth and we often think of how much I love God, and that's certainly part of it, but we need to start incorporating spiritual growth as how I treat brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, we can, we can prophesy and, and, and we, can, we can do all the, we can flow in all these gifts, but even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is the vehicle that delivers these gifts. And without love, without brotherly love, you're just making noise. In other words, we can be gifted noisemakers. But Jesus said, and it's echoed here in Hebrews, let brotherly love continue because the world sees that. The world sees, and if the world sees churches fighting, and if the world sees churches getting, people getting bent because the walls were painted the wrong color, or the carpet's the wrong color, or the chairs are the wrong style, the church, the, the world laughs at that. We've got to understand that our preferences really don't matter. But what matters is that we love each other and we manifest that love. Someone might, might ask, how can I push this kind of growth in my life? How can I push showing brotherly love? And when I say brotherly, the implication obviously is brother and sister. How can, how can I grow in this area? Well, I, I just, just a couple of just the easy ways I was thinking of. Number one, don't, don't wait to be asked. Dipping into Pastor Raekwon's sermon from a couple weeks ago. No one ever should ask you or need to ask you to say, hey, can you show some kindness? Can you, hey, can you go do that? It'd be, I always joke about this, but it's funny. It's like I don't go to husbands and say, hey, you need to go tell your wife you love her. That'd be kind of goofy. Shouldn't have to do that. 
And I understand that's what marriage conferences are. People spend a lot of money to go away, and they basically say, you know, uh, the simple things that, you know, it, it, that <laughs> if you were really following Christ with all your heart, would be happening already in your marriage. How can we grow in this area? Don't wait to be asked. Don't wait until invited to serve someone. People may say, well, I can't do everything. Of course not. But many of us can also do more than we currently are. And I want to tell you, volunteering our time, for one thing, is far from the pinnacle of where we want to be, but it's a start. And I think it's a great starting point. If you've been the type that waits until you're asked, assert yourself once a month. Go out of your way to find somebody who needs encouragement. Go out of your way. Are you all here today? You were a lively crew just a minute ago. Go out of your way. How can I serve? I don't need Sister Julie or Carla to say, hey, we need some help for a funeral dinner. You, you should say, hey, they're going to need help for that. I'm going to call and volunteer. Someone I know is going through a hard time. Rather than going to share that with someone else who has no business knowing, why don't you go to them and say, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I just want you to know I'm standing with you, and I ain't talking to anybody about it. I just come to you and tell you I love you. Come on, church. It's brotherly love. Assert yourself. Do something for the body of Christ that costs you something. Amen? I remember, <laughs> I don't know how many have heard of Bill Wilson. Maybe a few. He is a legendary children's minister from New York City. He wrote a book a number of years ago. We had him come speak at our church. He was awesome. Very uh, powerful man of God, very rough. He, uh, from New York, he started the sidewalk. Sun he was a guy that's, you ever heard of sidewalk Sunday schools? I'm coming down here. Sorry if you can't see me on the screen. Come here, you can see all of me all the time. He started sidewalk Sunday schools. You ever heard of that ministry? People, people borrowed that name. But he was ministering to 20,000 children or more in Brooklyn, New York. And it was rough. It was in a rough. Like he wrote a book. It, it was called Jesus Doesn't Live in Brooklyn. And it, he, he got that from somebody had, had spray painted that uh, on a brick wall where he was ministering. And it just broke his heart so bad. He realized the need of Jesus in our inner cities. In the book, Jesus Doesn't Live in Brooklyn. And he just outlined what God has been doing in Brooklyn. And, uh, but th this man, he was awesome. He was really, he was rough. Right. I had him, the first time I'd ever heard him preach. And uh, he was like very no nonsense, very no nonsense. Right. And he got up and, and it was a bunch of uh, teenagers in Oklahoma. There's several hundred. And, and he got up to preach. And there was a couple of kids talking in the back row. And he stopped and he, this is what he, I swear this is what he said. He said, hey, if you guys uh, if you guys don't shut up, he said, we can go out and fight. That's what he said. <laughs> he said, I fought all my life. He said, I just as soon fight as preach. But he said, if you're not going to listen to me, then get out. Julie was there, right? At that, <laughs> at that moment, you could hear a pin drop. Like no one dare whispered. I'm like, I like this guy. But he shared a story of how as his ministry grew to, you know, tens of thousands of kids, 
how, you know, everybody wanted a piece of that. Everybody wanted to come and, and be a part of that and visit it. And, and, and he said he had churches that wanted to donate buses. I forget how many hundreds of buses that they had that they ran all over Brooklyn. It was crazy. But he said he had a church one time that called, and they were very excited because they were going to donate several buses. And he found out they were used. And he said, I'm sorry, I don't want your used junk. He said, this ministry is worth brand new, not used junk. He said, you're giving me something that doesn't cost you anything. Except your maintenance problems you are going to pass on to me. And I thought the point that I want you to see is how often do we give God our crinkled dollar bills, our, you know what I'm saying, our leftovers. We give everyone the best of us, and we give God the rest of us. But I suggest today we flip the script on that, and we begin giving God not only the best, we give each other our best. We give our best effort. If we're serving in the band, if we're serving in the media, if we're serving wherever we serve within the body of Christ, right, it doesn't matter. You come with your best. Don't, br don't bring half-hearted into here. We're not going to do any lazy praise either. Don't want any lazy worship on Sunday morning. We bring God our best. We don't come rolling in 50 minutes late. We roll out of bed week after week late, and we come rolling in, and I'm not throwing shade on anybody who's late because I know, hey, it happens, believe me. But I want to tell you, there's got to be a standard in our life that God deserves our best and our brothers and sisters that we are living with and doing kingdom with. They deserve our best effort. And so, therefore, I'm going to give my best. I'm going to work my my best. I'm going to serve my best. I'm going to get the sour push look off my face and I'm going to put a smile. Even if I don't feel like smiling, I'm going to smile because God deserves my best. My brothers and sisters deserve my best. Okay. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment to love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Notice it does say, it does not say if you'll post little Christian memes on Facebook. They will know you love Jesus. If you love Jesus, say amen and share. Don't send those to me because I ain't sharing them. I ain't saying amen either. You know why? Because it doesn't mean anything. I want action. I want action. I don't need mouse clicking. I need action. We need The body needs action. This world needs to see action. We've read enough memes. Memes are okay if you're trying to make me laugh. I'll laugh at memes. But let's stop thinking we're discipling people or impacting the world by putting up a Christian meme with a Bible verse and a lamb crawling up the hill. That's not happening. People need to see a demonstration of the love of God. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So you can deduce for me the point of the love we show each other is what? That everyone will do what? Know that by this we have, 
I know. I know. That's like that's walking into a trap. I know. And Pastor, that's why I'm not calling out anymore. I, no, I'm sorry. I don't want. I don't want you to feel that way. But we deduce from this. We show love to one another. So why? So everyone will know something. What do we want them to know? Eureka. I think we got it out. <laughs> that we are his disciples. Everyone will know. Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of things Jesus could have said, this is the same Jesus said, these signs will follow those that believe. In my name you'll cast out demons. You'll speak in new tongues. You'll heal the sick. You'll take up deadly serpents and they won't harm you. You'll drink deadly poison and won't harm you. This is the same Jesus. But isn't it interesting, he said, those things aren't going to cause people necessarily to know you're my disciples. But what will? John 13, 35, when they see your love for each other. And believe me, I believe in all that stuff. I, I've got a wide lens of acceptance for <laughs> a lot of charismatic stuff that maybe some of you be, be uncomfortable with. I, I'm, I'm fine with a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I really am. I, I want all of God. I don't want the flesh. I don't want junk, but I want all of God. I want all that he is. And I, I, I've, seen, I've seen people get gold teeth. Some of you like, I know. They were surprised, too, when it came. <laughs> I've seen God do some crazy things. And you know what? I love it. And I say, God, do more weird. Do more. Do more. I'm concerned that not enough weird happens on Sunday morning at 1030 in America to even calculate or be, be called church. It's become so cookie-cutter predictable. We need a manifestation of God, believe me. And one of the greatest ones right here is love for one another. Love for one another. Are you hearing me this morning? Love for one another. I'm reminded of, uh, of Peter and John when they were going to prayer. They encounter, you remember this, Acts 3? They, they encounter a crippled man begging for money, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. You see, much of the modern church has now emphasized what it used to not have and has completely lost what it used to have. The early church defined love at least to include the supernatural healing and delivering power of God. And he, sh he says to show hospitality because it's not unprecedented that you might be giving hospitality to angels if you remember in the old testament abraham sarah lot gideon manoah these were some of the biblical characters who unknowingly were visited by angels and they showed them hospitality so giving hospitality to people of faith may well bring unexpected blessings in our life And then it says, remember, verse 3, remember those that are in prison for their faith. This message is to minister to those who are suffering for their faith. Why? Because we are liable to be that same position some point ourselves. There's a time coming, my friend, when the church will have to coalesce around certain members because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They're suffering. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe they were in prison for their faith. And people say, oh, that'll never happen, but it already is in Canada. Cops came in. Maybe you saw the video. Cops came into a church in Canada and arrested the pastor. I want to tell you, the day is coming 
when standing up for Christ will be a, cr- a criminal act. And there is a, a demonic spirit at work in this country now, and it has escalated mightily in the past several years. If you don't think that couldn't happen in America, you need to wake up. We are there. But understand, we need to make sure that we are ready to move in with compassion when that day comes because we have this clear command to show love, be hospitable to people of faith, be compassionate, open our homes if necessary to our church family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I know we have people in this church who do that and have done that, and I'm thankful for every one of you. And and you say, well, should we love our city? I mean, there's churches that have their whole slogan is love our city. Well, yeah, that's great, but that's not in view here. I could take you to other places. See, that's not my concern. I'm in Hebrews 13. Those other places, that's not my concern. Here's my concern. This says here, love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. Take care of the people in our watch, in our radius. Take care of the people that we sit on the same row with. Sit on, take care of the people that we share small groups with. Take care of the people that we pray together with. That's what's in view here. The brother, brotherly love. Kindness, continue. Next, he says sexual purity must continue. These are issues he's saying we've got, church, are you here this morning? These are issues that we have to lead on. And I'm not even talking about for the world. I'm talking about for the church. The Bible says the marriage bed must be kept undefiled from the world. In other words, sexual immorality must be kept out of the marriage bed because sex in the marriage covenant is sacred to the Lord. Sex in the, in, in the biblical context is a gift from God that's to be enjoyed by a husband and wife, one man, one woman only. We shouldn't bring anything. I say there's people, that, and that's one of the questions I get from time to time. People say, well, is this okay? Is this okay? And what happens? They, they've watched pornography, and they're trying to bring that garbage into their marriage. Don't do it. The Bible says the marriage bed's undefiled. Don't bring the crap from the world. Always gets real quiet when I talk about that. Don't bring perversion and perverse behavior from a wicked culture into the bedroom. God created sex to be enjoyed and embraced by those who have made marriage covenant together. When I was a youth pastor, I would tell teenagers that their largest sex organ was their brain. Therefore, use it. Right? (laughs) Control it. Get full of the Holy Spirit. Get filled with His self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit of God. I, I'm, always, I, I'm always just blown away when I think about that God needs self-control. And why do you say that? Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That, that's a fruit of who God is. He has self-control. That's what I'm saying. It blows my mind that God needs self-control. I think that's pretty cool. Get full of the Holy Spirit. Get filled with his self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Because, you see, our culture has allowed sin and perversion to twist and distort the beautiful thing called sex that God has given us. And God fully endorses sex in the marriage relationship. But anything, friends, here, anything, everyone say anything. Anything outside of that, verse 4 says he will judge the sexually immoral people and adulterers. In the Bible, we have powerful examples of some young, 
Amazing, strong in the Lord, Hebrew men in the Babylonian Empire who refused to sell out and defile themselves with the culture's sinful junk and the culture's sinful practice, right? We had Daniel, we read about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In today's church, we have shack up, me first, and to bed we go. It seems many have been poisoned with a false grace message. You want to see how much they can get away with, how close they can get to the line. But we have a holy God who is calling his church to purity. He's calling his church to purity. If it's a weak area for you, turn it into a strong area. Stop making excuses. Some of you, listen, I, I'm just going to just go for it while I'm here. Pornography will destroy you. You don't control it, it controls you. It's not even there for you, it's there for your future wife or your wife. It's there for your kids, that's who it's there for, could care less about you. Break it off now. Break it off now. Grab a brother and sister to help you, help, help you walk through it. But I want to tell you something, my friends. This is in it, and this, is, this was key, too, in, in the book of Acts. If we back up a little bit uh, in history, remember when, when, when the Jews finally realized, when Peter said, no, no, man, they're getting the Holy Ghost just like we are. They're all speaking in tongues. We're laying hands on them, and, and the Holy Ghost is falling on the Gentiles. So, yeah, they're legit. They're getting saved. And so they had a council in Acts 15. They said, well, what shall we tell all these new Gentile churches? And this was like the tension, the Judaizers, right? Because they wanted to impose the law on them. Well, let's bring out the law. Like, no, 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 no. We're in Christ. This is grace-driven. This is the power of Christ-driven. What do we need to tell them? Well, so the Bible says that they kind of had a, they had a council meeting. And remember, they, they came to a conclusion, and they wrote a letter. Y'all with me? Remember the three things they said? Here's what you need to do. Don't drink blood. It's a demonic practice. Heathen do it. Stay away from drinking blood. A lot of cultural parallels in this today that I'm not going to get into. Don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Again, demonic practices. <laughs> Developing a theme here, aren't we? And number three, keep yourself sexually pure. He said, if you do those three things, you'll be doing well. And here in Hebrews, he's reminding them, we have to keep ourselves sexually pure. I tell you, there's a lot of men. Can I just, can I just be real for a second? There's a lot of men who have no fire for God. They come in. They can't worship. They can't lift their hands. Why? Because they're broken sexually. They're into pornography. They're struggling with lust. I don't tell you, nothing, nothing, nothing will take your passion and your joy from the Lord out of you than sexual sin. We have to get free at all costs. You hear me today. We have to get free from sexual sin at all costs. Even if he's got these little mind fantasies, they got to go. 
they got to go because, you see, if we're going to have revival, you can't have mixture. You can't bring in stuff from the world. You can't say, hey, it's okay for me to, to binge on, on Netflix and I'm watching these movies where people are jumping into bed and sleeping with each other and, and entertain yourself with that and think you're going to walk into church and, and, and have a time of worship where the, where the glory of God comes down. I want to tell you, it's not going to happen. I want to tell you, the Lord has called us to purity. And can I tell you today, it absolutely matters what you watch. It matters what you listen to. It matters. It matters. It matters. At all costs, my friends, we've got to get ourselves pure. And just because you're married, I'm not giving you a pass. The Bible doesn't give us a pass either. That's what he was saying. The marriage bed's undefiled. But don't bring in junk from the, that's, that's a mixture. Enjoy the wife God gave you. Enjoy the husband God gave you. That's it. It's all you need. Keep yourself pure. He's calling us, friends, to purity. I've had people, and again, I've done this for like 30-some years, so <clears throat> over time, you know, people come and say, oh, Pastor, that's a, that's a real weak area. And I said, well, let me bless you with this word, okay? Are you ready? No one on the history of this planet has ever died from not having sex. I know that's a shocker. I know people in this culture that, oh, 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 well, of course, because they're driven by their flesh. Unless they repent, they're going to end up in hell. But Jesus gave us power. He redeemed us. He gave us power. See, we've all had single seasons. I've had single seasons. You've had, some of you are in a single season. It's fine. You'll be okay. Trust me. No one's ever died. I don't need to say it again. But I do want to show you this verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, hear me, church. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Well, that's a weakness. Then turn it into a strength because the Bible is calling us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I want to tell you, we won't have revival where there's mixture. And I want to tell you something. If we think we can serve God and serve the world and serve our flesh, you're going to have a rude awakening on that day we stand before God Almighty. Matthew 7, 21 and 22 detail that. But Lord... I came to church, I danced to destiny, I lifted my hands, I, I went to Bible college, I got my, my master's degree, I, I was a preacher, I was a worship leader, I was a, I was a, I was a. And then I will look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Lord, how can that be? There was a mixture in your life. How do I know that? Because it said, you worker of iniquity, you practice lawlessness. You thought you could get away with this while you were doing this. That's called lawlessness. You thought you could live in the world, and it was okay. And then the greasy grace will just slide over here, and I'm fine. Got too many preachers in America online telling everybody things, oh, it's going to be okay, when it's not going to be okay. There's one path forward, and it's a path through the old rugged cross, my friend. And the Bible calls it a narrow path. It's very difficult. And few will be that find it, Jesus said, because broad is the path and wide is the way that leads to destruction. And you'll find everybody in culture on that path. The entire culture is on that path. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Finally. Here we go. He said we must lead. On the next one, we have to 
be free from the love of money. Although I'm not sure what happened to that point. <laughs> Got a little grammatical situation there. Or here we go. Conduct. There we go. Have conduct that is free. There we go. That makes sense? Still don't make sense. Still missing a word. Who cares? We got it. Conduct that is free from the love of money must continue. Conduct free from the love of money must continue. That makes sense? How many vote that makes sense? Thank you. All right. <coughs> Hannah's my official spell checker. She gave me a thumbs up, so that works. Okay. Just maybe needed a comma or something. I don't know. But her conduct must be free from the love of money. So notice what he's saying. Brotherly love must continue. I'm just preaching the word today. That's all I'm doing. Brotherly love must continue, right? Keep yourself sexually pure, and then keep yourself free from the love of money. That means how we handle our money must reflect something. It must reflect that we don't fear man. It must reflect that we don't fear economic downturns. It must reflect that we don't fear lack, but rather we display trust in God through all of those things. What is the greatest way that we can do this? Ponder with me for a second. What is the greatest way that I can prove because this is important, because the Bible says if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. So obviously there's, there's to prove that's not true, we need to make sure we love our brother, right? So how, how, would, how would we defeat the love of money? Hmm. 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 What could I do to prove that money doesn't have me, doesn't hold me, it doesn't rule me, in fact, I got a grip on it. Oh, I got it. It just came to me. Tithing. Tithing. Being somewhat facetious today, but I think you understand my point. Tithing is the built-in way that God has given us to show that we have got control of money, and money does not have control of us. Why so? Because the world, let me tell you why. When the world thinks you're crazy for doing something, you want to do it five more times. People who don't know Jesus think you are nuts for giving your money. You get, I, I've heard them. I've heard them. I'm like, I'm a preacher. You better watch your mouth. <laughs> if you give money to a church, you're crazy. Well, color me crazy then. But the Bible says we better be free from the love of money. Because if we're not, I tell you, there's a lot of people in church today who think they're free from the love of money, but they, they, don't, they haven't given their first dime. They don't tithe. They don't give. And they, now I'm free from the love of money. What, what, what's your proof? Uh, how about we do God's way? You ought to know this is going to tithing. Like that. You didn't see this coming. Like we went from talking about over <laughs> point number two. Wow. Did not see this coming. The built-in way to continually show that our money does not control us. And he goes on to say, hear me, oh, America. He goes on to say we must live content with what we have. He's getting at not spending money we don't have, church.
you know, a lot of businesses, uh, a lot of par parts of our economy depend on people going into debt. That's wrong. People spend money they don't have because, and you remember the commercial, I'm sure, a few years ago where it said, I, I have to have it all and I have to have it now. A and that's the message of our culture. And I want to tell you that we push back on that in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God says, I'm going to live content with what I have. I, I got the old iPhone 8. I don't need the iPhone 13 right now. If I look around, there's brothers and sisters got iPhone 5 still. See? So I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I, I got a 20-year-old truck out in the parking lot, and it runs fine. I, I, yeah, I would love to have the Ford Raptor. That would be awesome. Or, or really, the, the Tesla Cybertruck would be more fitting for me. Uh, if I could have a te you know, Tesla Cybertruck, that'd be awesome. But I've got a perfectly good vehicle. It's 20 years old, but it runs, and I love it. And you know what? I don't have any, any payments on it. And every time I start it up, I hear something. I hear a sound. It's the sound of money coming back to my pocket. When I started up, there's a car payment I don't have. <laughs> I love it. I'm not throwing shade if you have a car payment, but I've never met a person with a car payment that enjoyed that car payment. Be content with what we have. Not going into debt to put ourselves in some tough financial situation just so we try to give ourselves some sense of happiness is what it is. That's where shopping addictions come from. People want to spend so they feel better. And I want to tell you something that is beyond shallow. But you see, in the midst of a we want it all, have to have it all mentality, here's the kingdom man and the kingdom woman saying, I don't need what the world says I need. I can be content with what I have. I can live within my means. I can still give a tenth to the Lord. And I can still honor God with my increase and through that he's going to bless you abundantly he's because this is what he said i have never seen the lord forsake you i will never leave you or forsake you the psalmist said i have never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread i want to tell you i have not had one time in my life a full-time ministry since i was 22 years old where i was without a job i haven't had one week in 33 years where i didn't have a paycheck And there were times maybe I, I, I could have gotten different jobs. And if I, if I, God forbid, lost my job tomorrow, I would have one on Tuesday, I promise you. Why? Because God will take care of you if you honor him in your finances. It's real. It's the word of God. It's not just print on a page. It is the word of God. If we will honor him with our increase, if we will honor him and, and shed the love of money that is so ingrained in our culture, God will take care of you. Now, see, this is really great because I happen to be talking to a lot of great giving people. I want to commend you. Last week, our mission summit, you guys just, it blew our minds. You, 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 you pledged generously to missions. And would you believe in the 20-year, short 20-year history of this church, we set a record for pledges, for mis monthly missions pledges last week. We set a brand new record for the history of this church. got excited thinking, number one, all the missionaries that have been stuck at $40 a month for so long, we're going to have to give them a pay raise. <laughs> How would you like to live on $40 a month? Me neither. 
We're going to give them a pay raise. We're going to be able to reach more people groups on this planet. I'm talking to a group of generous tithers. Many of you understand what it means to give more than your tithe. And I only say this because I, I want you to know, since I'm the one preaching about it, that I'm not a hypocrite. My wife and I not only tithe, we're going to give a record number to missions for us personally this year. And we also feed three children a month through Feed the Hungry Lester Summerall's ministry. This is part of it. And I, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm not saying that for any steam. I don't want it. Don't, don't ever mention it to me again, please. I just want you to know I'm not up here as a hypocrite. I'm not up here advocating that we give more and I'm not giving myself. Several years ago, the Lord just wrecked me about, you know, it says in Proverbs, if you take care of the hungry, the Lord will see to it that you're never in need. And we've been doing that. So we felt like, hey, well, we raised three kids. We're going to we're going to we're going to feed three children somewhere on this planet. And we found a ministry that 98, 99 percent of their money goes to what they say it goes to. They don't have this stupid 50 percent or 30 percent administrative fee. Feed the hungry is where you want to go. All the other ones, I can't speak for them, but feed the hungry, hungry is amazing. I encourage you, if you want to see that spirit of poverty broke off your life, begin giving. Let it start with your tithe. Let it start with a missions pledge. You can still make a missions pledge. I would encourage you to pick up two or three kids and feed them. Feed them. Say, well, I gave money at the guy standing at the corner. I, I, would, I wouldn't recommend that because most of those are scams today. Most of those are scams. Now, if the Holy Spirit tells you and you give them the gospel and you make them hear you, hear you out, okay, that's fine. But I just want to tell you, a lot of those are scams. I would, give, I would feed hungry people through organizations that know where the hungry people are. 1 Timothy 6. I'm coming in for a landing. We'll land this plane. I'm going to do a better job than the last guy I landed with over in wherever that was. Now, <laughs> that's kind of a scary landing. Now, godliness combined with contentment brings great profit. For we have brought nothing into this world, and so we cannot take a single thing out of it either. But if we have food and shelter, we'll be satisfied with that. Those who long to be rich, however, stumble into temptation and is a trap in many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Hear the word of the, God, word of the Lord today. For the love of money is the root of all evil. No, say money is not the root of all evil. People misquote that. Well, you know, money is the root of all. That's not what the Bible says, that the love of money. And that's what Hebrews writer is dealing with here. Make sure your money doesn't ha have all the money you want. I, 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 don't, I, I don't have anything but blessings. Millionaires, rich people, I'm happy for them. That's something else the Bible says. Don't, don't be jealous of someone else's money. And you see that a lot in our culture today. Right? People that are griping about people that are rich, those, those are people who are going to live in poverty all their life. Okay, we're, 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 that's fine. But here's for me, right? The love of money is the root of all evil. Some people, in reaching for it, have strayed from the faith and stabbed themselves with many pains. Amazing. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's a powerful position to be in. This is where he quotes from the Old Testament, and I'm getting ready to close. I want you to stand to your feet. Hannah, would you come up and grab the guitar here and play? I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. So we can say this with confidence. The Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. What can people do to me? Here's what I want to ask you, church. What can people do to you? What 
can man do to you? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on. I think a lot of times we live in needless fear. We live in needless worry. And I want to tell you, if you are honoring God in these areas that we just covered today, I want to tell you, you have nothing to fear. But in fact, we can just quote from the Word of God like the writer in Hebrew says. He said, what can man do to me? What can the world do to me? Come on. Listen. If they beat us up, God will heal us. If they kill us, we'll just be with God so we can't lose, right? What's the worst thing that happened? They kill us? Okay, great. I'll go to heaven faster. If they beat me up, God will heal us. Come on. What can man do to us? Lord Jesus, we lift your hands. Come on. Jesus, we ask right now. Lord, you've empowered us to lead on these issues. You've empowered us to lead on these issues. So God, lead we shall. Lead we shall. Lead we shall in the name of Jesus. Just real quick, how many would say with your head bowed and your eye closed right now before the Lord, how many would say, hey, you know what, Pastor Eric, I can do a little bit better on the brotherly love thing. I can do a little bit better on the, on the serving and the hospitality. I can do a little bit better on that wave. Just wave a hand at me. Wave it at me. Wave it at me. I can do better. Cool. Those of you that aren't waving your hand, I got a long list for you then. Come on. I'm sorry I've overlooked your, your helpfulness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Again, with your head bowed and eye closed, I'm going to say, Pastor Eric, I could do a little better on this sexual purity thing in my mind. And there's some things that, that I, I've opened the door to, and I, I want to shut the door. And I don't, I don't want things to rule over me. I don't want, I don't want to give room to the demons of lust and the, the junk from this world. I want, to, I want to make sure this area is on lockdown in my life. And I'm living a life of purity before the Lord. And I'm living a life of purity in my thinking, in my life, God. I've got... I've got the mind that, that thinks on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, just. If that's you, I want you to wave your hand. I could do a little bit better on this sexual purity thing. Wave it, wave it, wave it, wave it, wave it, wave it. There's a few brave, honest souls. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How many would say right now, Pastor Eric, I could do a little bit better on this money thing? I could do a little bit better here. I haven't. I haven't given like I should have. I've, I've, I've been worried about my money. I've been worried about the future. I've been, I've been concerned about the economy. Listen, that, that's not legal in the kingdom of God. That's not legal to worry about. Jesus said that. Take no thought for your food or your clothes. Come on, take no thought about that. How many would say, I could do better in that, in that department? that money department. Wave your hand at me. I can do a little bit better there. I can do a little bit better there. Most, many or not most of you waved your hand for something right now for those last three things. If you waved your hand, listen, I want you to come right now for either of those three things. Many of you raised hands or waved them. Many of you waved them. Come, come, come. Come, come, come. Oh,
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.